Come on in to Margaret McSweeney's Kitchen for Kitchen Chat, where every week you'll meet chefs, cookbook authors, foodies, gourmets, and just plain people who love to eat. And along with laughter, chat, recipes, and stories about food, you'll sometimes also hear words of inspiration, love, and hope. As Margaret always says, kitchen chat is food for the senses and food for the soul. So grab a cup of coffee, put your feet up on a comfy chair, and get ready to spend a little time with Margaret and her friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kitchen Chat. This is your host, Margaret McSweeney, and I am just so delighted that you are joining me virtually in my kitchen today, and do I have a treat for you, one of my very, very favorite pastry chefs, master pâtissier, Chef Eric Lenlard, is actually joining us from London, and on a side note, and I know I've mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I just had the wonderful, wonderful experience of about a month or so ago, traveling to London with my oldest daughter, Melissa, and we were able to actually have afternoon tea, a chocolate afternoon tea with Chef Eric and friends at Carlton Towers, and it was just amazing. So it's so appropriate that uh, we're talking about all things chocolate today with Chef Eric Wedlard, who just has published a new book, his latest book. As you might recall, we um, had a kitchen chat with Chef Eric about this time last year about his book, Tart It Up, and now we're going to talk about his new book, Chocolat. <laughs> Welcome to Kitchen Chat, Chef Eric. I know. Welcome, uh, welcome back to your uh, to your kitchen. Um, a pleasure to be um, pleasure to be back. Oh, well, it is wonderful to be back, and it was so much fun to meet you in person. And, and listeners, I will try to um, definitely post the picture I took with Chef Eric in London at the most amazing chocolate afternoon tea, which he orchestrated. It was just phenomenal, and how perfect and the perfect timing that it was everything chocolate on the platter and you now have this beautiful book called Chocolate or Chocolate. I don't know the best way to pronounce that. Uh, yes, Chocolate. Um, I mean, chocolate is um, always been, I always say to people, I said, you know, I had, growing up as a, as a child, I had two um, passion and two fascination was one to become a pastry chef. Um, which I achieved, and the other one was um, chocolate. So I've always been fascinated by that, um, you know, um, complex and rare ingredients, you know. So and I always wanted to find to find out more about it, you know, than than just you know buying a bar of chocolate and then melting it and making cakes with it. So I, I almost made a mission to um, from the young age to you know one day I will go to see. Where you all start up, you know, from the uh, the plantation in some exotic countries to um, to how you know the factory transformed it to um, to be the um, the produce we know now and we use to uh, to to cook or just eat on its own. So um, it's always been a passion of mine. So I'm so I'm so grateful that at last I managed to do a book just um, just about my favorite ingredients. Yes, and this is the first book which has featured really one major ingredient. So this is exciting. And, and of course, with chocolate, there is so much to learn. And, and I love how in this book you give a history of chocolate and also give some wonderful tips about um working and, and cooking with chocolate. And, and I, if we could just briefly... Um, maybe highlight some of the major terms like this chocolate bath <laughs> and, and the, uh, the best techniques just kind of to have, um, you know, a good basic understanding of how to work with chocolate and tempering chocolate. I've never heard of that. <laughs> I know, but I mean, um, I mean, that's the thing. It's, um, that's why I wanted to do this book, really, because um, there is some beautiful there is a lot of beautiful chocolate book, um, you know, available on the shelf of the bookstores, but a, a lot of them are a bit too, too, you know, too designed for um, uh, for professional chefs. I mean, if you are an amateur chef, if you are a mom or a dad who like to cook, uh, you you know, or you are someone who's just starting up, if you pick those books, as beautiful as they are, they probably will 
fighting the life out of you and you look and you say, okay, this is beautiful, but there's no way I can achieve that. So I wanted to do something that was accessible and then, you know, with obviously some information, some tip on how to learn, how to recognize a good chocolate and how to work with it. But this is only a few pages. It's, um, you know, it's mostly about great recipe, achievable recipes. And then I haven't been too much of a snob as well about chocolate because I'm not, to be honest. I mean, there's so much chocolate available everywhere. And um, so at home, I got a mixture from everything, from, you know, the naughty candies to some very rare um, uh, bars of chocolate coming from some, you know, haciendas in the middle of nowhere in the Andes or something. So, But obviously... Anything to do with baking or cooking, start with good ingredients. Uh, if you if you are going to invest some time to um, to make a, one of the recipes from the book or any recipes, uh, you need to start with some good quality chocolate. So um, you know, go to the shop and you know, don't be shy to spend maybe the extra dollars to um, to buy a good um, a good bar of chocolate. So, I mean, have a look obviously at the percentage when you look at chocolate. It's very important. You know, you should look at the at least for a dark chocolate, at least for a, a cocoa content of 70%. Oh. There's no need to go higher than that because if you go higher, it becomes too bitter because you lose the sweetness and uh, it's not very pleasant to, um, to, uh, to cook with it. And then um, have a look as well where the cocoa beans come from because that's very important, you know, and most brands now will tell you, you know, things are changing a lot in the chocolate world and um, every bars you can buy now from the supermarket, you know, those, all the major brands will actually tell you, as well as the percentage of cocoa content, they will tell you where the chocolate comes from. So have a look up for countries where chocolate grows. So have a look for South America, you know, Peru and um, Costa Rica and the Caribbean, you know, Grenada produce some beautiful chocolate. Um, there is some great chocolate as well in Mauritius and Madagascar. So have a look for all these countries, and then those will be the one where the chocolate will burst with full of flavors, and you know you're going to get a a really good finish on your on your product. And oh. it's a bit like I always say to people, you know, using chocolate in baking is like using wine for cooking. If you want to eat it or drink it, don't put it, you know, don't put it in the um, in your um, in your recipe, so if you want to eat that chocolate, don't put it in your baking because it will it, it won't be good. So and you know, make sure is, you get the right stuff. Yes, that is great advice, <laughs> and <laughs> definitely one one to remember. And and it's so interesting. It's just a brief little history, and 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 then we're going to delve into the chocolate and uh, a little confession on the side. And reading your cookbook, I had to, of course, be eating chocolate. <laughs> while I was reading your cookbook, and unfortunately, the only chocolate I had in the house was some Halloween candy. So. Oh, great. <laughs> well, you know, there is always, there's always a time for some, uh, for some candies. Like I said, I always got, at home, it's a strange mixture. I mean, la- last week was chocolate week here in, um, in the UK, and um, oh. I posted a picture of my selection of, um, of, uh, of chocolate bars I got in my house, and uh, some people were outraged with some of the brand, and I just said, "Yeah, but sometimes you do need that naughty, super sweet chocolate, and yeah. you know it's it's not the best chocolate, and whatever, you know, that's the one, you know, who will who will fix you up um, for that, you know, for that day or that moment, you know, when um, you know you crave something a bit uh, super sweet, um, and of course there is beautiful stories about you know the chocolate high was all fat out, you know." Um, Mostly in South America, you know, the Incas, the Indians, you know, they they uh, they discovered very early um, early age, you know, how precious that chocolate is, and it is it is a rare product. You know, it's very difficult to grow, and um, all the best chocolate will come will come up from individual trees in rare haciendas or or people's back gardens. You know, so. You can't really find huge plantations, you know. The very good chocolate usually are from little individual trees scattered everywhere in the Amazon Amazon forest. So there is a lot of um, a lot of love and a lot of hard work uh, to make it happen to uh, to turn those precious beans to um, to um, how do you call them to call to a chocolate bar. So 
Yeah. You know, I mean, what I love the most is um, the Incas and the Indian Incas, they knew it was so precious and so rare, and they actually used the beans. They used to dry them, and they used to use it as a currency. So they used to go shopping and pay their shopping with the cocoa beans. Um, that's how they started using the cocoa beans. And after that, I don't know what's happened. Someone must have decided to roast them and realize, uh-oh, there is something, <laughs> there is something even more precious about those um, those um, those beans. So, and that's how it all started, you know. And they started to make hot chocolate with adding spices. And they used to drink it before they went to battles. And and that's how the first hot chocolate was started. And uh, you know, and today when you are a bit depressed and you need a bit of energy, what do you do? You reach for that bar of chocolate, and then um, usually you would put a smile on your face. So oh. I, 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 I've don't know many people who don't like chocolate. I don't know many people who don't like chocolate. I don't know anyone who doesn't like chocolate either. <laughs> it is truly a treat. And now I've learned it's a currency that can you can eat. <laughs> so, exactly. That's great. Well, in your book, and we had so much to talk about with chocolate, and, and I definitely want to highlight um, some of the dishes from your book and then some of the wonderful dishes um, from your afternoon tea at Carlton Towers at uh, Jumeirah. Um, but first of all, uh, and then we've got tons of questions from listeners, so I definitely want to integrate those and make sure we get to those. Right. But, uh, yes, uh, but first of all, just some basics of chocolate. So you kind of chose a uh, to, instructed us how to choose the chocolate, just something typically that is over 70%. And if you can't eat it, you don't want to cook with it, really, uh, which is great advice. Um, If you can maybe highlight just some of the terms that might not be familiar to uh, some of the the listeners and even the host, (laughs) uh, such as tempering chocolate. What is tempering and, and why is that so important in creating these chocolate masterpieces? Well, yeah, that's a very important part. I mean, chocolate is a very um, complex um, ingredient, and as well as being rare and expensive, it's um, it's um, it's a very complex one. And I always like to describe chocolate. You know, if it was a person, you probably want you probably want him or her to be your friend. You want you want you want them to you know to you want them to be because they are very complicated. And you will say like, you know, well, I don't want him or her to be my friends. And it's because chocolate doesn't like anything. It doesn't like to be mixed with any other ingredients. It doesn't like temp- it doesn't like humidity. It doesn't like heat. And um, so it's very complex uh, to work with. But if you are gentle with it, if you look after it properly, suddenly that complicated friend will become nicer. <laughs> and that's what it's all about with um, with chocolate. So. First of all, you need to me- to melt your chocolate if you are going to, for most baking recipes or if you're going to make some chocolate or some truffles. So you have to be seriously careful when you melt the chocolate. So, I mean, you know, too often you read in recipe books, you know, put a bowl, your bowl of chocolate or chopped chocolate on the top of a, a pan with simmering water, you know, what we call a bain-marie, you know, the traditional, you know, double pan with the um, the chocolate inside. That's the worst thing you can do because if the water is simmering underneath the chocolate, the heat is going to be far too high and that's going to burn your chocolate. So, I mean, dark chocolate burned around 60 degrees. The uh, I'm talking Celsius, so we're, we're, we're from Europe. Uh, 60 degrees Celsius and um, the same with um, the white and the milk chocolate, even worse, that melts, you know, around 40, uh, starts burning around 45 degrees, 50 degrees. So the best way to melt your chocolate to start with is very gentle. So take your water to the boil. When it starts boiling, switch off the heat and then put your bowl of chocolate on the top and just let it to melt slowly and gently and just stirring it a little bit at a time and let, let it happen. It will take much longer than having full heat underneath, but your chocolate will be nice and glossy, and it, it will be fluid, very easy to incorporate to recipes, or very easy to tempered. And tempered is, um, is uh, basically, it's like a curve of temperatures. So you, you melt your chocolate at a quite a high temperature, so it's around you know, 50 degrees, something like that, but you need to do that scientific curve of 
melting it at high temperature, dropping the temperature to probably around 25 degrees, something like that. And there is some, um, I mean, you know, proper, you know, you need to follow the charts properly, depending on if you're using white, darker milk. And you need to drop the temperature of the chocolate. The most chocolatier will, uh, will do that by just pouring the whole lot of chocolate on a marble top and just cooling it down very quickly. So that would take a few minutes, but just moving it around on a, on a cold marble and put it back in a pan and you put it back on slight heat a little bit just to reach it another temperature. So you need to do that clever scientific curve of uh, temperatures and you will get a glossy chocolate it will be as well, not just glossy, but it will be solid, really solid chocolate. If you just melt chocolate and let it set again, it will be very matte. It will bloom, so you get this little white mark on it. And the chocolate won't be very crunchy under the teeth when you bite them. So that's a very important part to do it. The traditional way, like I said, is to do it on a marble top. But of course, not everybody's got a marble top at home. So in a book, I recommend what I do at home, because I haven't even got a marble top at home, I use um, the microwave. So most households got a, um, a microwave, now everybody's got a microwave at home. So you can just melt it in a microwave and you just add to that hot chocolate some finely, finely chopped, unmelted chocolate, and that will drop the temperature and make that um, tempering possible again. It all sounds very complicated, but... Um, <laughs> If you go on YouTube, if you go um, on online, there's a lot of uh, videos which explain to you and show you how to do it. And, um, and you know, when you've done it once or twice, you, you will get the hand of it and um, it will be so easy to do it. And uh, it will make a huge difference in your finishing product, mostly if you're trying to do an Easter egg or you're trying to mold some chocolate for some special truffles to give to you as a gift. And, it's not really for baking. This is more for gift and, you know, molding chocolates. Yes. And I love how in the book, too, you have a chocolate tempering temperatures chart. So it breaks it down in terms of dark milk and white. And also in um, the Fahrenheit degree, you provide that as well, which is great. Um, so, for example, dark, the melted temperature should be 122 degrees Fahrenheit. So thank you for uh, putting the conversion table for <laughs> the <laughs> side. Well, let's just dive into chocolate. I mean, first of all, these pictures are beautiful of the the delicious food that that you made here, the wonderful chocolate treats and and I love the picture listeners, there is just such a fun picture of chef Eric taking a bite of um one of his chocolate uh masterpieces in the book and it is just great and I was wondering is that the chocolate squash and pecan cake? that you're sampling in the book? Uh, this one is the uh, salted butter caramel cake. Oh, which is great, too. But, you know, I love how you so creatively combine ingredients that that you just typically wouldn't think about putting together. And, for example, the chocolate squash and pecan cake, where you use shredded butternut squash as one of the ingredients with, yes. with this chocolate dish. Uh, how do you come up with these creative combinations? For example, at, at your afternoon tea, I, I've never tried venison and chocolate together, but that was one of the, the delicious uh, features on on the platter. I, how I know, and you forgot to mention it, it was a macaroon. It was a, a venison and chocolate macaroon. So most people um, will expect macaroon to be sweet and um, uh, as a sweet dish, and um, uh, we turn it uh, as, a, as a savory dish. I mean, originally, um, going back all those years, 100 years ago, uh, chocolate, when chocolate starting to become an ingredient, it was mostly used as a savory ingredient because obviously people didn't realize they needed to add sugar and they needed to add some, uh, some cocoa butter to it to make it, um, you know, as a sweet product. So chocolate was really used as, an, um, as a savory ingredient. And, uh, you know, if you go to Mexico and if you go to South America, a lot of the, there is a lot of dishes um, with mostly meaty dishes with um, some very rich, spicy chocolate sauce to go with it. And, um, 
So when we did the, uh, we decided to do um, a chocolate afternoon tea. I definitely wanted to, to, you know, recreate those um, those flavor together, and uh, and simply something like venison with a strong meat, you know, gamey meat, really worked very well with um, with with the chocolate. So we did this um, a bit low sugar dark chocolate um, macaroons, and we added um, a little bit of um, uh, chili jam to it, and it really worked together um, nicely. And uh, and it's the same with white chocolate. You know, you can really use white chocolate as a um, as a savory ingredient, you know, it worked really well. I mean, um, uh, one of my friends um, cooked a, a, a white chocolate risotto with blue cheese the other day, and it was really superb. So I think, you know, I can see it's going to, we're going to see in more and more restaurants uh, the use of chocolate on, on the actual starter or main course menu as well, because there's so much you can play with it. I mean, obviously, you have to be careful because. If you put too much, you know, it's going to be overpowering. And um, and if you don't put enough, you can't taste it as well. So it would be a waste of the ingredients. But uh, if you get the balance right, I think it's a great savory, um, great savory ingredient. And, uh, and, of course, I like playing with flavors. I mean, like you mentioned, the uh, roasted pecan and spicy um, uh, butternut squash cake, you know. That, you know, chocolate for me is quite earthy. So I thought the addition of the grated... Um, butternut squash to it or pumpkin will really bring this lovely earthy flavor to this cake and um, this is the perfect time of the year to have this cake you know roasted spicy pecan inside will give you some nice crunch and uh, you know the pumpkin or the butternut squash this depending on which one you want to use really make the cake very moist and very earthy taste which work very well with the dark chocolate so this is a great cake perfect for for falls or Halloween and all the celebration for Thanksgiving. Yes, and I think chocolate is all seasons. <laughs> I know, <laughs> can always find, no yes, excuse. Definitely, but I love that recipe you've you've featured in here. Um, the other thing, if if we could just kind of get a, a background of of chocolate, what is white chocolate, and why is chocolate white? <laughs> well, white chocolate and. Um, it's funny. A lot of the chefs are a lot of the chefs are very uh, snob about uh, white chocolate. They always, if you mention white chocolate, they always go like, "Oh, it's not chocolate." But <laughs> proper white chocolate should have cocoa butter inside. I mean, basically, it's a milk-based pro- product with cocoa butter inside. So when you go next time you go shopping for um, white chocolate, turn the that bar of chocolate around. And have a look at the ingredients and make sure then the only fat involved in that chocolate, in that white chocolate, is cocoa butter. So, and that's really the only ingredients who, who come from the cocoa bean. It's uh, the, the rich cocoa butter, which will give flavor and great smooth texture to, the, to your white chocolate. So, but you need really, seriously, you need to look at the list of the ingredients because. Too many white chocolates got no cocoa butter whatsoever inside. So basically, it's just milk powder with some kind of um, oily, nasty fat inside. So, then if you use a great white chocolate, you know you can. It's a great flavor. It'll work very well with um, you know baking. And yeah, there is a passion fruit on white chocolate uh, baked cheesecake, and uh, that's probably one of my favorites of the. Um, white chocolate recipes in um, in that book, you know, there's, um, it's really refreshing and you can really taste the white chocolate, you know, even after all the baking, you can really taste that smoothness and the melt-in-the-mouth white chocolate and very creamy. So, so again, you know, just make sure you, you use the right ingredients, make sure you use the right chocolate and, um, you know, turn around. If there's no cocoa butter, just put it back on the shelf and um, look for the next... Um, Look for the next brand, uh, next brand or the next bar to make sure if, um, if the list of the ingredients is, um, is better. Great. Well, thank you. I never realized that about white chocolate. So thank you for that <laughs> clarification there. And with your book, uh, listeners, I love the way it's organized too. Um, not only does it give you a history of chocolate and picking out the best chocolate and working with chocolate, it's divided into a grouping of uh, from the bakery, desserts, 
truffles and treats and then drink spreads and sauces. Um, maybe if we could highlight, Chef Eric, uh, one from each section, um, like one of the dishes from the bakery. And I, I can just imagine, you know, walking along uh, Paris and looking in the windows and seeing some of these beautiful, beautiful uh, dishes that, that you describe in your book and provide the pictures for. It's, it's just wonderful. What is one of your favorite ones uh, that the listeners might enjoy from the section of From the Bakery? Uh, well, I mean, it's got, um, you know, there's got um, a few, obviously, in, um, in, uh, in this one. In, um, the, um, the bakery section is the one probably for more day-to-day, um, day-to-day baking. So, you know, if you are slightly worried about your decor- decoration skills and, uh, and if that's not your, your forte and you're more about, you know, fantastic flavors and great ingredients and enjoying just baking a bit rough and ready on the edges, uh, that's definitely the section for you. It's, um, it's, you know, it's not desserty. It's, um, it's, you know, very down to earth, um, baking. So there's some great recipe there. I mean, there's a, um, a beautiful, um, um, salted, the salted butter caramel, which is a, with the one, my picture of me eating it. Yes. It's simply one of my favorite recipes because, um, this is really nice. Just two layers of um, of um, salted butter caramel biscuit made from digestive crushed digestive biscuit. So you make them separately. You let them to set, and you bake those two discs into a rich chocolate sponge. So what's happened? Well, you know what's happened next. As soon as they start to go in the oven, all the caramel is melting in the middle, and it's just this big sticky combinations coming out at the end, which is really beautiful. So wow. that's certainly one of my favorites from these sections. Uh, there is another um, you know, great one, like the chocolate and pistachio biscottis, who are perfect to serve with some coffee or teas, you know, if you just got someone coming, coming over. And um, they, are, they are really great as well. So, and like I said, you know, all the ones from that section, you don't have to be worried too much about the decoration. You know, it's, um, it's, you know, it's proper home baking. It's, uh, something you will do for the family during the week and you know it's not like if you're having like a big party for some friend and you try to impress them by having the big wow factor with the presentation so you right. you can just go for it and make something delicious which is just going to be devoured by the whole uh, family great and one thing if we could go back to one of the words you've mentioned you said oh you make the sponge um could you just briefly explain about the sponge I guess it's a sponge yeah. cake, or <laughs> yeah, uh, sponge. Well, sponge cake. Uh, it's um, it's just the um, the chocolate uh, the chocolate cakes really. So um, it's just a great combination. And uh, what I said to people, I said when you look for chocolate cake recipes, as well, you know, always look for recipes who's got melted chocolate to it, because too many recipes. And it doesn't matter if you make chocolate cake or some chocolate cupcakes, only use co- uh, cocoa powder. I mean, of course, you know, always make sure you use pure cocoa powder, which is fine, but cocoa powder is quite bitter because it's got no sweetness to it. So always look for recipes who use melted proper chocolate because you will get a very smooth finish, you know, in your baking and you will get all this extra flavor, which you won't get with by just using cocoa powder. Cocoa powder is, uh, is quite sharp, you know, really, and... Um, um, I, I, I don't really like using it in, a, in my baking. I prefer to use um, proper melted chocolate. You know, you get a much better, um, richer and darker cake and uh, definitely a smoother um, taste than uh, using cocoa powder. And so is that what you're talking about, the sponge, where you're using melted chocolate for the batter then? Yeah, it's just uh, melted chocolate added to the batter. So, you know, it's... Uh, the traditional way will be to, um, you know, cream the butt, some butter with some, um, with, with cream the butter on the sugar together. If you can, you know, always try to use unrefined sugar. It will bring you some lovely flavor as well as a sweetness, obviously. Uh, just add your, um, your eggs to it. And after that, uh, just add um, a lot of melted chocolate. So it will be very tasty and a lovely dark color and it will be just very yummy. Oh, it, and, and 
that just sounds great. And these pictures, I'm just flipping through your beautiful book. I mean, the photography is amazing. And also just the the items featured. I'm, I'm on the page with the proper Black Forest Gateau in the design <laughs> section. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I so wanted to put that cake inside because, you know, um, I don't know about the, um, in the U.S., but um, in the U.K., it's, um, it's almost like a, you know, it's a 70s classic, you know, it's almost like a joke, you know. Um, <laughs> and um, But, you know, there is nothing wrong with a good Black Forest Gateau, you know, if you uh, travel to Austria, and, you know, or if you go to Vienna, you know, they make some beautiful Black Forest Gateau there. And um, I think Black Forest Gateau lost its, um, its credibilities and it's, it's serious when um, and people starting to sell them in supermarkets in frozen, um, in frozen, you know, sections, you know, and probably Miss um, Sarah Lee probably was um, a lot to blame for the, um, you know, for the bad reputation <laughs> of the uh, forest gat- Black Forest Gatto. But when it's done properly with a beautiful chocolate cake with some beautiful um, raspberry jam and um, some, you know, great black cherries and some kirsch, it's a great case, you know, it's nice and light and it's, um, it's so good, you know, at the end of a dinner and um, certainly one of my favorites. So that was one of the first recipe to be on the, on the list, you know, and um, I'm so glad um, it's in the book and it's been featured in so many, so many uh, magazines here in the UK because people certainly go like, wow, Black Forest Gatto, let's, yeah, let's bring it back, you know. <laughs> and there's a bit of a kitsch effect of, it, of course about it. So. Oh, well, a non-kitsch that you have in the dessert section is like, wow, jumping off the pages, is the chocolate and framboise roulade with the uh, one that's inspired by the Albert and Michelle Ruth classic. Yes, that's a yes. very, very good, um, that's a very great dessert. You know, we, um, I came to the UK to work for Albert and Michelle Ruth, who was, you know, massive, massive chefs here in um um, in the UK, the first one to have a three Michelin star restaurant in, a, in the UK, and they really changed the way the British eat their food. You know, it was in a great way between you and me. But things have changed. You know, that was years ago. <laughs> and um, but that, uh, that this is a big classic. That's been in the um, on the menu in the restaurants. You know, the Gavroche here in um, in London for the last um, I think 40 years. So. Um, yeah, but it's you know it's very simple and again you know it's um it's not about the presentation you know it's very homely presented but it's lovely you know the sponge is almost flower flourless so it's great if you got like gluten allergy and it's um it's just beautiful to eat you know it's, so people people always assume if you're going to bake something with chocolate it's going to be very rich and very heavy but it doesn't have to be you know this is why there's um. It's, you know, there's a great mixture of different recipes. It really, you know, for any time of the year or, you know, any time where, you know, depending on which kind of other food you're going to serve with it, you know, sometimes you don't want a very rich chocolate cake. You want uh, something a bit lighter. So definitely the Roulet Marquis is one of them, you know. It's, uh, it's actually very fluffy. And um, and before you know, you will um, you will eat the whole cake without um, <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> Oh, no, that is the danger. There should be a warning <laughs> page on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's great. And then some of the other things, because I do want to make sure we get to the listeners' questions quickly, but uh, another great section, of course, you've got the truffles and treats, which is beautiful. Um, and then also the uh, the drink spreads and sauces and Viennese chocolate that is just so beautiful. Um, it, if you could just briefly talk about about that beautiful creation of yours, the drink. Um, yeah, I mean the, the drinks is um, like I was saying earlier with the, the story of the chocolate. You know, the um, they, that was as well as using the chocolate as a uh, savory ingredient, it was used as a, as a hot drink. You know, mostly as a precious hot drink with spices and alcohol added to it. You know, to give that kind of vavavoom to the. Uh, to go to battles and then um, uh, to your, you know, to the um, uh, Incas and um, on the Mayas, you know, when the conquistador arrived, you know, so um, there's so many great recipes, you know, of um, of um, hot chocolates, you know, to be used, and then, um, you know, there's some great stories as well, you know, in France when chocolate arrived, you know, it was like the the hottest things to um, 
to to serve. You know, they had like this private clubs where people would just sit there just drinking hot chocolate, you know, paying huge, huge amount of money of it, you know. Um, um, I was reading recently a story about uh, in Versailles Palace, you know, they have to ban the consumption of hot chocolate because they are spending so much money. And um, and it was um, it was a sign as well to, um, you know, if you offered a hot chocolate to a lady on the evening, you mean, you know, you wanted to take her to bed. So <laughs> be careful, you know. Next time you see a French man and he, he offers you a, a cup of cocoa, you know what he's up to. So, <laughs> But um, we've got some great, um, I put some great recipes of um, different um, hot chocolates from the spicy one from South America or some of that really thick traditional Italian hot chocolate where the spoon is not, you know, it's not, a, it's not good enough if the spoon can't stand in the middle of the cup on its own. So... Those one are probably not for the um, you know the the weak the weak the weak one because you know, that's like a serious um, hit of the of cacao but um, it's definitely um, some great recipes and of course there is some chocolate martini as well so if you do like your martinis there is um, a few lovely um, um, chocolate cocktails who I'm sure will make um, your evening um, go down very well with your friends or, or guests. Um, if you um, if you shake them, few of his martinis. Oh, and and you have them instead of sprinkled with salt or anything on the rim. It looks like lovely little chocolate flakes to, to garnish <laughs> the glasses. Oh, well, this is just an amazing book. And and listeners, I'm going to provide a link for you to connect to it. But first, I really do want to get to your questions. Thank you, everyone, for um, the amazing questions that you've sent. These are so much fun. Um, Jennifer wrote in, how do fashion and interior design trends influence cake design? Um, well, it does. I mean, uh, you know, it's... Um... <clears throat> It's um, it's quite funny. I mean, we, you know, obviously the cake world is not as um, as controlled as the the fashion on the interior design, but we take inspiration from that. So, I mean, I will, you know, we don't pull out full-on collections of wedding cakes or birthday cakes, but when we do, when I've come out with some new design or new ideas, um, it would be from using the pattern from the wallpaper or an element from a, a dress. Or something you would have seen in a magazine. So we we do use it's true we do use you know fashion and interior design to get some inspirations you know and I'm sure most cake designers um, do it you know and it's um we you know it's a it's a it's a great way to to get some inspirations you know I mean definitely the fashion is definitely um, um, involved you know it could be you know a color it could be a texture it can be just a, a pattern or you know, brochures or anything we, we can add to the cakes and, uh, you know, giving you some challenge, obviously, how can we reproduce that fashion item on the cake? But it's, it's great to be able to um, to use, you know, the creativities of those guys, um, interior designers or fashion designers, and uh, try to pass it on to um, our cakes and, um, on you know, our celebration cakes or wedding cakes. Yes, and um, for Kate Moss, I wonder if she's influenced any uh, fashion-designed cakes. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, that would be um, it. Would be interesting. It doesn't look like she eats that much cake. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeanette writes in. Now that the Chinese are into chocolate, will they influence your desserts? The uh, sorry, the Chinese. Yes, uh, she writes that she's heard that the Chinese are very much into chocolate, and will that um, new interest in chocolate um, influence your desserts? Any different ingredients, I guess, that you would use? Well, that would be um, strangely enough, I just um, I just designed my next uh, afternoon tea for the Jimmy Carlton Tower. It's called um, Chinoiserie, yeah. and um, it's all about um, uh, the inspiration of. Um, you know that big eras uh, of mixed, mixing um, Western tradition, design and flavors uh, with Chinese um, um, Chinese inspiration. So I just designed my next afternoon tea. It's called uh, Le Grand Thé Chinois, and it's all about Chinese inspiration in design, obviously in all the cakes and the savories. 
but as well with the flavors. So that's it. It's already done. <laughs> wow, that is perfect, Jeanette. You'll I have know. to go to London and <laughs> go to... I know. So you have to come to London <laughs> and you have to go to the Gemera and try the um, Grand Pé Chinois. <laughs> oh, for Actually, sure. I, I, I did a, a fantastic recipe with um, um, a smoky Lapsan Sushan t- uh, tea um, with, you know, um, cakes and they really work very, very well. So you can really use, you know, the Chinese or Asian inspiration and to make it work with... Um, with patisseries. Um. That sounds great. Oh, and then Sue writes in, and I know we've briefly touched upon this already, but she has an interesting twist to the question. Does the cocoa percentage, such as 50%, 60%, or over 70%, does it make the baking product bitter, or can you add more sugar? Um, well, I mean, I always... Um, Strangely enough, for the, for a pastry chef, I never had a sweet tooth, so I always <laughs> try to, and always is very strange, obviously. But um, I always try to cut down on sugar. I mean, you know, if I can, if I can, you know, add. Too often, you know, when I taste cakes or dessert in restaurant, they are far too sweet, and that kills the natural flavors. So it's best to, like I was saying earlier, you know, go for a good quality chocolate, you know, with a great um, uh, provenance, you know, where it comes from, you know, with some great cocoa beans full of flavors, you know, it's going to be powerful and it's going to give you some, you know, a bit like a wine, you know, like some very complex flavor. Spend a little bit more money to get that good chocolate in your baking and you can cut down on the sugar because if you add sugar to it, you're just going to make it sweet and you're going to cover up all those beautiful natural flavors. So, you know, it is very important to, um, to make sure you got those 70%, 75 or 65. You know, if you go down less than 50, it's not going to taste of anything. It's just going to be, you know, it's going to be like a candy bar. So don't even bother to cook with something like that. You know, you need to go up to 60, 70% to get those full flavors, and you won't need to add any sugar to it. Just, you know, only the sugar you need for the actual recipes. But... um you know, try to cut down on those uh, on those sugar, and just use the natural flavor of uh, that great uh, that great ingredients. Perfect. Now that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that tip. Um, and Lynn um, writes in, and I guess she realizes you don't have a sweet tooth, and have said you have said cheese is your weakness. Do you like cheesecake? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I love um, I, I love cheese, so. And uh, you know, some I have to say, you know, in a lot of places, I give up having dessert because I've been so disappointed in the past. So, I, uh, most of my friend knows when usually I will just um, dive in for the cheese platter, which is um, my favorite, um, uh, my favorite dish as well. But obviously, I do, I do cheesecakes as well, which is um, uh, slightly different <laughs> than uh, using using cheese. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just back to. Um, you know, to training and, um, you know, I'm just, you know, just make sure you, you, when you bake, you know, when you make, when, you know, when you make anything, just use the the natural flavor of the product and, uh, and uh, you know, that's what you should really taste when you, when you eat a cake or you eat a dessert, you know, if it does say it's a passion fruit and white chocolate cheesecake, you should be able to taste both ingredients, you know, as you're enjoying a slice of it. So, Oh. And, and um, I mean, that's one of the comments we get from people who, um, who who try my recipes. They always go like, God, and they're not too sweet. And I just said, well, there's no need to because, you know, you, you are putting some um, some great ingredients inside and then they don't need to be um, completely overpowered with, um, you know, with sweetness. And uh, it's all about the, the natural flavors. So hopefully people will follow that and then I don't have to eat that much cheese anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That is great. And just a final new segment very quickly on Kitchen Chat is burning questions. And, of course, you know, it won't pertain to my burning many, many dishes in my kitchen, but I just have burning questions for the chefs. And uh, a fun segment, what is your favorite comfort food? Oh, my, oh my God, my favorite comfort food. Well, it's, two, um, it's probably two things. I love custard. Oh, 
Do you know, yeah, you, you, you call it custard sure. in America, like, yeah? Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, like, um, yeah, like custard. So I like custard. So, I mean, uh, I will I will definitely um, eat custard, you know, and um, again, you know, I will buy, I'm happily buy a tin of custard and I will be eating it straight from the tin <laughs> as a comfort food watching television. Um, I know it sounds like a, a revolting <laughs> vision <laughs> of me sitting... Sitting there as a you know master pâtissier eating custard from a tin, but um, sometimes that's what um, you know ticks the um, tick the boxes. Um, obviously, I, um, comfort food. I like anything with um, I like anything with slow cooked. I, I love um, you know anything who has been cooking on the stove for hours and hours. Is me to fill apart or vegetable we are so soft, full of flavors and. I'm a I'm a great um, a great fan of uh, slow cooking and uh, stewed and you know curries has yeah. been cooking for hours. So for me that's definitely uh, comfort food. And um, you know my mom used to you know she was a busy busy um, woman, so she used to put pots on the on the stove you know for days to cook slowly and slowly, and you would have like this beautiful lamb which just like completely fell apart as soon as you, you know, you could cut them with a spoon, like we said, um, you know, in France, you know, to, mm-hmm. because it would be so soft and so full of flavors, but having this slow cooking. So uh, for me, you always bring great me- family memories and um, it's really comfort food. And again, you know, at this time of the year, this is the kind of food we want, you know, because um, yeah. it's starting to get a bit chilly here and dark, you know, in the UK. And um, uh, that's the kind of food um, I like um, having at home. That's great, and I love the custard. Is it chocolate custard at all? Sorry, oh yeah, you could have that. Uh, you could have chocolate <laughs> as well, so that would work as well. So. Right. Oh, that's great. Now, what is the biggest fiasco in your kitchen through the years? Oh, big biggest fiasco. I mean, you know, without revealing too much, um, we um, <laughs> things do go wrong. You know, people always think things don't go wrong, but um, they do. They do go wrong sometimes, and. Um, one thing was seriously annoyed me, which um, some some days out of the blue, you have no idea why it uh, it goes wrong. Is um, making macaroons. Uh, that's always drive me um, drive me a bit mad in a kitchen because I've been making macaroons for so many years, well before they were so famous. They become so famous, but um, I still have a uh, bad days in a kitchen. So. And if it happened twice in a day, you will find some flying macaroons in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> flying macaroons, I love that. <laughs> and then, um, real quickly, because I know you are off to catch a plane to Orlando, and Orlando listeners, please connect with Chef Eric at the Food and Wine Festival in Orlando um, this weekend. Um, so definitely go go by and see him. He'll be doing demonstrations and book signings. Uh, but two more quick burning questions. Uh, what is the most fun dish you've ever eaten or prepared? Uh, oh, eat and prepared. Um, ooh, that's a um, tricky one. Um, I, l- I mean, I like experimenting. I mean, like, because of the book, we've been doing a lot of, um, of, the, uh, of, of the chocolate book. We've been... Um, uh, doing a lot of press lunch and uh, dinners and lunch and uh, and we've been using it um, we've been using chocolate as an as an ingredient things which you know I'm I'm a pastry chef so I mean I'm not a trained chef um, with savory food but certainly I had to experiment with it so and uh, we created some um, some great um, some great recipes and um, and it was fun you know to to certainly to come out of my comfort zone and um, with cakes and dessert and um, to work with some savory and um, we did some great uh, some great menu and um, and for me one of the big highlights as I, I was done promoting the book in um, in South Africa in Cape Town in South Africa a beautiful country there yeah. where obviously they got a lot of wild games and um, we did this beautiful um, spring box so it's like a, almost like a venison young venison um, with uh, a, a crust of pure cocoa beans so not even sweetened or anything, just pure cocoa beans has been grinded like fine coffee and just roll out all over the um, this lovely succulent piece of meat and um, we did a Turkish coffee gravy to go with it and um, I have to say that was 
great fun to create and a, but it was an amazing result as well. You know, sometimes you just go like, I can't believe we just did that. You know, I was working along with um, another chef on a, we we both went a bit crazy in the kitchen on a, <laughs> but it worked so well on a, I would recommend absolutely for people to um, don't be shy and uh, try to put um, chocolate in your savory cooking because, you know, it really do incredible things in your food. That is great. And one last burning question. What is your fail-proof cooking tip for home chefs? The fail-proof cooking tip. I mean, it will have to be a baking tip, obviously. Yeah. And uh, because, um, you know, it, I, I am all about baking. It's... Um, there is no secret, you know, when you bake or you make pastry or cakes, you have to follow the recipe and you have to be precise. Um, it's not cooking, it's, it is baking. And it's all about precision. And that's why in France we, we said baking is like chemistry. You know, pastry chefs are actually, they're not chefs, they are scientists, you know, scientists. You know, we, we put ingredients together because they react together. And it's not like cooking where you can just experiment and mix ingredients because you like them or you don't like them and a little bit of more a bit of this a bit of that with baking it's all about precision so if you are already a good chef but you want to start baking at home and make some beautiful cake you know get yourself a nice a good book you know with a lot of all the good classic learn your basic but do follow the recipe and uh, you know, when you start to become very good and uh, you know all your good classic of uh, cakes and pastries and you can start to experiment a little bit and maybe go your own way. But um, that's where usually people go wrong. So stick to the recipes, stick to the precision, buy yourself um, a nice um, pair of, um, uh, of scales. You know, you know, you can get scales everywhere and uh, make sure you, you weigh all your ingredients precisely and um, you're going to get a great result. And um and if, like me with my macaroon, it go wrong, you know, it happened. And then, you know, don't give up, start again, and then next time I'm sure it will work. So oh. that's very important to uh, to carry on. This is great. Wonderful, wonderful, just words of wisdom from my, the master patissier, Chef Eric Lenlard. And listeners, please check out his delicious new book called Chocolat. Seductive Recipes for Baked Goods, Desserts, Truffles, and Other Treats. Chef Eric, thank you so much for being on Kitchen Chat. It is just delightful to have you well, on the pleasure, show. My pleasure, my pleasure, absolutely. And uh, looking forward to um, to have afternoon tea somewhere in the world together again. Yes, <laughs> I can't wait. I look forward to that. And listeners, meanwhile, in your busy day, please just take a moment and sit down, perhaps over afternoon tea with one of Chef Eric's delicious chocolate uh, dishes and take the time to savor the day. Thank you for joining us today. If you're interested in Margaret's books, A Mother's Heart Knows, Pro Girls Encountering Grit, Experiencing Grace, and Go Back and Be Happy, please just click on the covers on the webtalkradio.net page in front of you. Margaret would love to connect with you and hear from you. So join her on Twitter, Facebook, her blog, or click on this website to leave a note and share a recipe. Thank you again, and we'll see you here again for a new show next week.